Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on THS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. We've been on the air since January 2017, almost six years. Ask Brian, the website, ASKBRIEN.com, just hit 10,000 members. We are a grooving and we try to each week to teach people something about business. We've interviewed founders such as the founder of Oatly, the founder of Learning Addicts, and many, many others. So for this show, we try to explain to people why Brian is spelled with an E. My name is Peter. My co-host is Tracy. There is no Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another episode when we run out of time, I'll tell you. But why is there an E in Brian? And my co-host Tracy is going to try to help us out. So Tracy, we have some reasons why. We have a lot of exciting E's, but I think the first one that we should talk about is expert because we interview a lot of experts on the Ask Brian podcast and radio show. Just like you mentioned before, and expertise helps entrepreneurs grow. Did you see how I worked those two E's in? Well, what do you need to be an expert? Well, to be an expert, and I probably won't get this math right because, you know, it's not my strongest subject. But you've got to have my strongest subject is communication and pivoting. (laughs) If you listen to the show, you know I know how to pivot. But expert, so technically you have to have approximately 10,000 hours into your subject matter expertise, and that's based on an average of working 40 hours a week, taking a couple weeks off, and doing that for about five years. Now, don't ask me to break down the math any better than that, other than I know most entrepreneurs work way more than 40 hours, and the ones that have been at it for five years or more are definitely racking up more than um, 40 hours a week in that five-year stint. So, you and I are experts, our uh, guests are experts, and they also have, ready for this one, a lot of enthusiasm for their subject matter. And if they have enthusiasm, they're probably very excited. (laughs) Exactly. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Team, team, team. And they probably have really good energy, which is apparently you do today. You must have cracked into the Red Bulls again. I haven't had any Red Bulls. In fact, I can't find anything. I just moved. <laughs> I can oh, barely find yeah. a phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you were able to find your phone in order to dial in. <laughs> well, people that know me know that I can talk, so that'll never go away. <laughs> and the other E that we definitely want to highlight is that we're all about the education. So this show focuses on the education, and I think we're going to really benefit from that part of the ease today with the guest that we have, because she's going to be able to provide us a lot of education around human resources, which is 
such an important thing for entrepreneurs to know as they're building their businesses. So you're doing pretty well. There are a couple more E's. Do you know them all? Okay. So expert, education, enthusiasm, excitement. Give me a hint. (laughs) Well, okay. Without going through your big one, okay. For one, we're going to rip through them because we do have to get going. And I guess they're like, oh, what did you get me into? One is close to expert. That's experience. Because if you have the experience having gone through the problem, you may not be an expert and have experience, vice versa. But if you have the experience and have encountered the problem before, it's probably easier to handle it, okay? The other one is, you know, don't forget, size 12 shoes, empathy, what does that mean? Oh, my gosh. How could I have forgotten the empathy? Because I have so much of it and you have none of it. None of what? <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. All that exactly. I know is that I wear a size 9. So I can fit into anyone's shoes. That doesn't mean that you know how to walk into other people's shoes, theoretically speaking. That's what empathy is. Well, actually, when you think about it, if I'm walking in a person's shoes that's bigger than mine, I probably look like a clown. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We do have to get moving, and Andrew's going, what did I sign up for? I never realized what Matt had to deal with. Okay. Let's get going. <laughs> That's why Matt left screaming out of the building. I know Patty and Matt, they all left us because we made them do the E's. Exactly. But they were extraordinary engineers, and those are two really good E's as well. And, of course, entrepreneur. So let's go through, and I have to introduce this because she likes it. Grease Lightning is... Because we are electrifying. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it just never gets old. I mean, I don't know if anyone else likes it, but I like it and I get to do it. So, you know, there's that. Well, absolutely. Well, I guess without any further ado, and why do I like the word ado? A-D-I-E-U. You wouldn't believe how many people spell that wrong. So it's uh, all consonants, one vowel, and it's just also kind of a fun word to say. Absolutely. So we have our great guest today and we're going to go... I'm going to interview her for a bit, and then Tracy's going to come back and pivot and do a little bit more. So, Angie, you're still there. You survived. You didn't leave. You didn't say, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Maybe. No, I'm still here. (laughs) So, first of all, let's start with the very, very basic, okay? Human resources. What does that mean? Oh, that's kind of a loaded question. It means everything from... (laughs) I know. I'm I'm learning this here. (laughs) It means everything from... You know, setting a plan on how many to hire, who to hire, identifying who you want to hire, bring them on board and nurture them and help them grow into the best possible employee they could be. Okay, so the first part we want to go is quickly go over your background, and then we want to go over the process for somebody who has never, ever, ever hired an employee and what they need to do and, and have go through that process. So first, what is your background in HR? You've been doing that work for about five years? Yes. I started about five years ago as a HR marketing manager for an assisted living home and then came over here to where I am right now as the HR and communications manager. And so what are some of the areas that you delve into on a daily basis, both at the company you're at and currently at Albany Farms? Well, the big thing is planning how many team members that I need to hire over the next three to six to nine months in I'm really identifying what key attributes that we need in those people to build the strongest team that we possibly can. Okay. So for many people, 
we're going to go through a couple of different things. But the first part I want to go over is to people who have never, ever hired somebody, okay? It's their first employee, and they've been operating as a sole entrepreneur, and they just got their business. But you know what? They need to hire somebody on board. They can't do all the work, and they realize the business is growing, and they can figure out a way to pay them. So what is the process to hire that first employee? Well, the first thing to do is you need to reach out to your uh, Department of Labor and get an employment number. That's the key thing to make sure you have that taken care of. And then from there, it's really identifying that, that job description with the key skills that you're looking for and what the job tasks are going to be. So when you're interviewing the, these candidates, you are able to identify what their strengths are and how they line up with what you're looking for. Those are the first two main things to, to get done. So first, you need to go to the government. You need to set up what kind of accounts do you need? You have the Department of Labor. Do you need, like, for unemployment? Is that the same number? Or how does that work? Well, what I do is I go onto our Department of Labor website and apply for an unemployment tax number. And then they send that to you when it's approved, and then you're ready to go. It's a pretty easy process. And so you're in South Dakota, which is slightly different than, than many of our listeners, but for South Dakota, so they pay for, or you have to pay for unemployment. Are there any other requirements in South Dakota, you know, as far as payment? Like in California, where we are, they have state disability insurance that technically also has to go through. It's, a, it's not like a private policy, but it is through the government where a certain percentage of your money goes there. And we do have a state income tax, which I don't believe they have. In South Dakota, maybe they do, maybe they don't. So we have to sign up for that. All those entities have to get paid and a few others. Is it the same way in South Dakota or, or is it just the uh, unemployment? We do not have a state income tax here, so I don't have to worry about that. We do have, for our employees, we pay life insurance and accidental death and disability for them. But is there any government program? Is that just on a private basis? Just on a private basis here. And so to so get, get that all set up and then... Do you handle payroll typically, like when you first start out, or do you typically go to a company, and what type of companies would you go to? When you're first starting out, excuse me, it's probably easier just to do it on your own, but as you grow, reaching out and partnering with a company to do your payroll and your payroll taxes and benefits, applicant tracking and all of that, it just makes that whole process so much smoother when everything is in one bundled package for you. Is there any software that you can get, like, for instance, so let's say you hire that first employee and let's say you have, and let's say you are doing it yourself and filing the forms or giving them to your accountant to file. Is there any software or something you can track? Like you want to track, I guess you want to track vacation time. I guess you want to track, you know, what their pay is to calculate it out, to give it to, you know, to, to determine what their salary is before you do all this. What kind of things would you need to do? Well, at my previous job, our accountant, business manager. She used QuickBooks for all of that. Coming over here, I took all of that on myself. And so we signed up with a, a couple of different companies to do all of that tracking for us to take that off of my plate. So what kind of companies are there that a business owner can use if they just hired their first or second employee? I would probably go with QuickBooks. It seems to be the easiest, unless you want to just track it on your own in Excel and build it out that way until you're, until you're ready to go on with a big company. And, and what kind of payroll companies are there? There are and, so many, Peter. There are so many. Everything from the small mom-and-pop ones up to the large, like the ADPs and ISOLs. 
there's a very large number to look at, and there's a lot of research that you put hours into deciding which one to go with. So what's the difference between going with the mom-and-pop one and the ADP? What are the advantages of going with a bigger entity over small and vice versa, small over larger payroll company? Well, the smaller ones really have that white glove service where they can they can help you, but they're more tailored towards the small companies. So if you have 5, 10, 20, 25 employees, as you grow, going with the larger companies, they're able to grow with you and handle the bigger issues that come up and basically just grow with you. And is the, is the fees different from a small versus big company? They're all different. Um, it just, there's a base, a base fee and then any other programs that you have added on, each company has different pricing for that. And how would you find a small company? A big company you can find on the internet. You know, ADP is everywhere, right? But where are you going to find a small company, a mom and pop? Where, how do you find that? Well, what I did, I, I Googled payroll assistance programs and HRIS programs, and it brought up a multitude of them. And you just go through, and they haven't broken out to small, medium, and large. And what do you think is the most important thing when you're a small business owner and you're starting out? What do you think is the most important thing to look for when you're trying to hire one of these companies? Yeah, read the reviews and see if you can see different companies that are the same size as you, although it's the large companies, and they're pretty honest on there about their experiences. And just do your research. That's what I can say is do your research. Do the tours online. Ask all the questions and make sure you find one that has that that assistance that will be there to help you whenever you need it. And then when you're trying to hire people, where do you go to hire people? How do you do that? Well, here in South Dakota, it's a little different than out in California. We don't have a hiring pool like you guys have out there. I use Indeed and Facebook, word of mouth. We hang flyers all over town out here. The word of mouth is what's been big for us out here. Our employees telling their friends and family how much they enjoy working here, and then that brings them in. So those are the those are the main ways that I would recommend starting out. And how do you do a job there? Well, the main thing is deciding how many people that you're looking for. Bringing your team on board with you if you have more than just yourself to help interview, have your questions ready, advertise, advertise, advertise on social media, in the newspaper, on the radio, get the excitement, the buzz out for you having a job for to get people to come out and meet with you are the main things and just knowing exactly what you're looking for. That's a good point, what you're looking for, right? So, I mean... Obviously, there's a difference between hiring an engineer and hiring another person. So the question is, how do you determine the criteria when you're looking for people? Knowing exactly what skills and experience that you're looking for, having that really, really solid on that job description. If you're looking for an engineer, you really want somebody who has some experience on them. Or if you're looking for a production line worker who's just starting out, knowing that you know they've got those hardworking skills and they're coachable, and just having an open mind when you're talking to people is also huge. Some people don't interview very well because they're nervous and just trying to take their nerves down and being comfortable to talk to. How do you determine salaries? I mean, what do you look for? You know, let's say you want to hire an engineer in South Dakota. What criteria are you looking for to determine, or not criteria, what are you using to determine the salary, and how do you come up with one? that you think is a good salary that's going to attract the people you're looking for? 
Yeah, do your research on the surrounding areas. When I developed our, our salary plan here, I did my research, Google search positions that were very similar to what I was hiring for and compared and contrasted what their salaries were and what would be competitive for us as a startup to attract those key candidates. It's all about research when you're talking about income and salaries. Now, obviously, you know, there are different jobs with different people. Most companies to this day, I believe, still are, you know, having people come to the office. But there are some companies that are still doing it well. Have you dealt with any, 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 have you ever dealt with a situation with people working remotely? With our company here, everybody is all hands on deck. So I haven't had any remote workers here. But with COVID, we did move our interviewing to either in-person or online just to open up that door a little bit more to get people to come and interview with us. And did that affect the applicants in terms of whether or not you were doing it in-person or online? Is there a difference in the applicants that are looking for jobs or they all were the same? It was all very similar. The ones that I did online were people who weren't necessarily working currently within the area that we are, and so they couldn't get to the plant to do interviews at the times that I had available. So offering that flexibility really showed them that we're here. We're here. We want the right candidates, and we'll do what we can to work with you and have you join our team. And my co-host, Tracy, are you there? I'm here. She's also known as Pivot, P-I-V-O-T, and she's going to pivot <laughs> go over a different era. I'm not sure what area she's going on. One of the areas she was thinking about was maybe uh, discussing that's all about hiring people, but there's also firing people and also dealing with human resource issues. I consider human resources to be the mom or parent of the company where they have to basically make sure that everyone is on track. Tracy, go ahead. Okay. So you had mentioned prior to the break, you guys had been talking through about the pandemic and we're heading into a conversation around, I think, generational differences in recruiting. And I wanted to just back into the pandemic for a minute because I know that, based on what I've read in the press, I know you are absolutely the expert, that the pandemic has maybe forever changed the way people perceive their work and their jobs and their roles. And how would you say that the pandemic has impacted the human resources aspects of hiring and and recruiting potential employees. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I've noticed from the pandemic is people want more time off from work now than I ever remember it being before. It's completely different. Um, They don't feel like coming to work, then they just don't come to work. And that's something that I've noticed that came more to the light after the pandemic than it was before. And so that's a, a big challenge for not just me, but for any of the managers out there to motivate people to stay and come back to work. And that's something that I know that we're working through every day here to to keep the team motivated and just handle all those different obstacles as they come our way. In in that regard, too, um, I'm seeing a lot of things in job postings and Facebook groups and things like that. Not that I'm looking for a job. I'm not. I want to be clear about that. But in a lot of Facebook groups that I'm in, when people are basically leaving businesses to start businesses and things like that, one of the things I'm just shocked, actually, about this is that they're not even willing to accept a job unless there's unlimited paid time off, which I guess is PTO. 
are companies moving into the direction of offering unlimited PTO? Because I know when I worked for a corporation before I started my own business, it was one week after one year and two weeks after two years, and then it was always just two weeks, no matter if you had two years or 20 years. So unlimited PTO sounds like almost unattainable to me. That's, you know, that's one of the hot topics that I've been seeing on our the HR platform that I'm on is that a lot of companies are going to that. And that's something that uh, my vice president and I are working through on how to make that work. And we're a manufacturing plant, and so we have to have people here. So trying to find that fine balance of giving them the time that they need to have off versus the time that they think they have off. And so it's a moving target right now. And I've been hearing that a lot of companies are going to unlimited time off too. So we're trying to figure that out. Right. I mean, I would only imagine. And then I would say that that would sort of, that would need to correspond with the the exact right candidate above and beyond, you know, like you were saying, which I thought was very, and, you know, you have to be very clear about your job description and the type of candidate that you're looking for. But you also have to have the right candidate who can work under the conditions of unlimited PTO, correct? Oh, for sure. Yes. And as a result of that, The next question that I had was around the challenges of finding qualified candidates because it feels like in this world of tech companies laying off, you know, thousands to ten thousands of people that there's people out there in the job market, but then you're also hearing the flip side, which is we can't find people who want to work. Mm -hmm. I think that everybody who's running a business, owning a business and doing HR is we're all in that same boat of trying to trying to figure out how to attract the right candidates and keep them and vet through, vet through that interview and hiring process to see those flags of they interview well, but they get to work and then you find out that they weren't the right candidate or they, they don't want to work like they presented themselves in an interview. That's a challenge that I think we all go through on a daily basis. And how much of that is generational? So I'm in my seem to be in my mid-50s, and so work ethic is, has always been everything to me, and I've always been a hard worker. I got my first job when I was 14 and haven't looked back since, but I'm a little bit probably on the overachiever side of that workaholism scale, if you will, but how is the generational influences outside of just the pandemic in general affecting the types of candidates that are available? I truly believe it is a generational, just from what I've seen here, it's definitely generational that the older team members that we have will put all of the hours in for the majority, and then the younger ones, that's kind of where we're struggling, that they want to work, but they don't want to work as much as we would like to see them work. And it's not all of them. I want to make sure I'm clear it's not all of them, but it's definitely a generational that I've noticed. Well, and that transitions us into a different layer of human resources, which is how to, once you make that hire, so let's say, unfortunately, maybe they did misrepresent themselves, or maybe they genuinely thought that they were qualified for the position, represented themselves that they were, and once they got into the position, for whatever reason, any reason, it's just not the right fit for the job. What happens at that point? for the company to then rectify, remedy that decision and what types of processes do you need to go through to make sure it's done in a way that protects the company? 
Definitely. And that's the aspect of the job that is not my favorite, but it's part of the job too. Um, <laughs> we, we like to consider ourselves a big family out here, so we don't want anybody to fail. And so if we do hire, and we've had this happen where we've hired candidates and they come in and it's just not the right fit, just not the right role, we have a corrective action process that we sit down with them and talk about, you know, this doesn't seem like it's the right fit for you. Where did you see yourself fitting? And try to work with them to find that right role. So it's a four-step process. If that doesn't work or if they don't come into work or they're tardy consistently, then we just move them through that process and paper trail to protect the company too. So if it does get to the point where they're not the right fit and I unfortunately have to terminate them, we have all of the information backing up our decision. South Dakota is an at-will state, and so we don't have to have that documentation. Positions can be terminated on either side at will. But I think it's just really important that if you're going to be terminating somebody, that you have that documentation to protect the company and to, you know, educate the team member on why this is happening. Uh, And you mentioned the documentation process, and you mentioned a four-step process. Is that a pretty standard process for most corporations of larger sizes? And what are those exact four steps? And we, we only have about 60 seconds, so you can answer the first part of the question, and then we can come back to do the four, the four steps. Well, I can't speak for all corporations, but for us, it's a verbal warning, and then it's a three-step, you know, here's what you need to stop doing, and here's the process to get yourself back on the straight and narrow and get your job completed the way you should. I can't speak to the larger and other corporations because I don't know exactly what they do, but that is something that we've established here that we thought was best for our company. And then I would imagine the paper trail aspect of that is incredibly important. So even if there's a verbal warning, then you're following up with an email or something that documents the conversation. Yes, definitely. Okay. So we talked about documenting employees' process when things are not going so great. What other areas, I would imagine we could talk about a couple of things that might be a little bit more fun in the human resources scope in terms of like, How do you function in the role of, for example, team leadership, community building? Like, what role does human resources play in having the team stay connected and have growth opportunities for the employees? I think that being, you know, seen out with the team is really important as an HR manager, that you're not the scary person in the office where if you get sent to HR, you're in trouble. I don't think that that's an appropriate image for HR managers to have. Being part of the team, being out in the community, and being approachable are are big aspects of being in this role on top of being the hire and the the terminator, for lack of better words. Right. How do you know? Did you catch that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, and that was probably, I would imagine, uh, as was mentioned before, things like job fairs, but is there other types of, are, do you integrate along like with businesses, chamber of commerce organizations and organizations such as that and provide education through, about the company through those areas? Definitely. I'm actually part of the chamber of commerce here in Belfish, South Dakota, and that's just because our company, we want to be seen as a good community member also. And so just not keeping it just within the plant, but also out in the community. It's a small town and being present and showing that we're here to help the community grow is also a key aspect of, of being in this role too. Well, 
again, to pivot, because I want to make sure we cover some of the things that I know our listeners have questions about, especially as they're putting together compensation packages and things like that. How do you determine what benefits are included in a compensation or an employment agreement? And do those benefits, as and this may vary by state, vary by law, but are, is every employee eligible for the exact same benefits? With our company, they are. Forgive me, I don't know from state to state if it's a requirement, but for our company, after 90 days, we do offer a full benefit package to them. Benefits are huge. My last company, we weren't able to offer benefits to the employees. And so from that aspect, I saw that side. And from this aspect, I was able to help build a benefit package that would benefit the team here from medical, dental, vision, life insurance, 401k, so from A to Z. Those were, were things that I heard out in the community that people wanted in addition to having a good work environment. And is that something that you always have to feel like you're constantly having to keep up with competitors or are those pretty standard benefits across the board? Well, we have a, a broker that we work with who, to be completely transparent, he takes care of all of that for me, lets me know what, what changes are coming and offer you know, ideas on what additional benefits we should be considering offering or if we should change to look at pivot to a different direction on different benefits, a different benefit package. It's an ever-changing environment. People's needs and wants are changing on a daily basis, and so being on top of it is important to keep the right candidates here. Yes, so thank you so much for all of the amazing insights that you've given us so far on the show today. And what would be the best way if people wanted to continue the conversation or be able to contact you about a possible job that their dream job could be waiting for them with Albany Farms? How would they reach out to you? Well, that would be awesome. Uh, well, there's a couple different pathways. They can go to our um, Facebook page, the Albany Farms Corporation, and shoot a message. I'm the one that takes care of all of those messages on Facebook. So that would be one way to get a hold of me. Or they could send me an email, and it's A-N-G-B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, L-E-R, at albanyfarms.com are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Well, that's fantastic. And we, again, appreciate you taking your time out to be on the show today. And for those of you who are listening and want to go back and reflect on some of the points that were made on today's show or go back and listen to some of our previous shows, we encourage you to go to wherever you find your favorite podcast, and that would be Apple, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, SiriusXM, wherever you are listening to podcasts, and you can find the Ask Brian podcast. And we want to remind you that's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, the Ask Brian podcast. And you can find previous episodes and resource links in the show notes. So we encourage you to Download and follow the Ask Brian podcast. Peter? Thanks, Tracy. And also, we do have a website, askbrian.com. You want to go out there and get more information. It's a business. Questions and answers can be asked and answered on that site. So, Angie, we have a couple of things. So, first of all, people want to know, and I don't know uh, how much you can tell us, but what can you... What are some of the things you can discuss and some of the things you cannot discuss when you're trying to hire an employee? Well, that is a pretty cut and dry area. Um, you can't ask anything about 
how old they are, their marital status, their religion, family, gender, race. You can't ask any of those identifying questions. And you get yourself in a lot of trouble if you ask any of those. So I recommend staying completely away from that. And when you do have an employee and they are having problems, okay, how do you handle that? Because here's the issue. It's almost a case study or hypothetical. You have that employee and they're either, you know, they're bad-mouthing the company or they're saying stuff, but their quality of their work is great, right? So how do you handle those situations? So that type of situation is where I bring our plant manager and the direct supervisor in, and we just have that conversation with the team member, and they might just be having something going on in their personal life, and it's rolling over into their work, and they may not be necessarily aware of what issues that they're causing. Communication is key, especially in situations like that, and just making them aware that this is an acceptable behavior at work, and, you know, we're here to help you. So if you have an issue, come and talk to us. And what's a good time frame? So let's say somebody's been hired, and they worked 90 days. Now they're working there six months a year. How often do you do a review of the employee? Well, we do a 90-day review after they start, and that's just a touch base on here's your strengths and those areas that, you know, we'd like to see improvement on. How can we help you improve on those areas? And then it's at the end of their first year, unless they get put on a corrective action, and then that restarts that 90-day process again. So it's 90 days in a year or 90 days, and again, if you get put on corrective action. And what about, what type of things do people have, like, for training, right? So if you're working at a company, you want them to grow and, and, and succeed, right? So you probably mm-hmm. have some type of training program set up. You may not have them set up specifically. You can send them somewhere. How does that work? That is one of the programs that we're working on right now, um, identifying if you start in this position and you want to get to that position, here are the steps and the process to get there. We're in a pretty unique situation out here where we're growing and we're all in the same boat together. So it's a big team effort out here to help everybody succeed. So we have an open door policy and open minds and really taking information that our team gives us on what their goals are that we can help incorporate into a promotional stepping or steps for us. What about finding out needs of, of, of people, right? Do you go to the managers periodically and say, listen, how many do you need? And by the way, we've got about 10 seconds left. So, <laughs> yeah, Well, we know how many that we need to have out there. And as the, as the business increases, we talk with our managers on exactly you know, if they need two people, three more people, exactly what they need to be successful out there. Well, thank you very much, Angie. We really appreciate it. A lot of business thank owners you, don't know about human resources. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Brian Radio Show, KHS 1229.1. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.